My name is Padraig Tuma, and one of the things I love about poetry and notice about poetry is that some people write the same poem over and over again in different books as they keep on returning to a moment of love, as they try to capture the expression of joy and the moment that something happened that opened them up to the world in a way where their life has never been the same since. Father by Carlos Andres Gomez In the basement of the crack house I used to visit as an outreach worker on 121st Street in Harlem, I was convinced he refused to travel north of 96th. I wrote a letter to Joanna on her mission in Taiwan, detailed each irrefutable piece of evidence proving we are all in fact alone told her about the nine-year-old orphan forced to sell her body for three years before ending up just off Times Square, discarded in a dumpster. I told her about the eldest son who answered a burglar's call and was shot, paralysed from the waist down. I asked her about drought and famine and endless civil wars. What lessons does his book refuse? When her heart rate dropped by half in less than a minute, the population of our cramped hospital room tripling in a handful of seconds, I grasped for anything that would keep me upright. At first, the wall, cool and steady, demanding my body ascend beyond what seemed possible. Then, nothing, no one. I stood in the waiting room of the OR, waiting to be called in to find out if my child had survived. I spent each second trying to pull tiny shoe coverings over my two large feet. I confessed every wrong of my life to an empty, overlit room of steel and sterile instruments that all reflected back distorted versions of myself. I fumbled for any prayer I could remember, hoping that I had all along been mistaken about the hollow blackness of the infinite sky. I never wanted so badly to have been wrong about anything in my life. And then a disembodied voice called out, seemingly only to me, a tiny growl at first that blossomed into a wail dwarfing any thought my mind could possibly hold, any faith I'd ever been so foolish to claim. This book is called Ihito, meaning son, and this poem is called Father. And so the book um, hinges on many of these questions about um, performances of masculinity, performances of power, performances of love, and what does it mean to be in relationship with each other? I mean, formally, the poem is in two parts, but it seems to me like the poem is in three parts and it's troubling the question of God in light of becoming a father. And the poem is called Father, which seems like a challenged the idea of God as father as well as an opening up to Carlos Andres Gomez becoming a father himself and that moment and it doesn't 
revert in the final part into saying, oh, no, now I understand God as Father. It continues to change. And that's what I loved about the poem is that it, it felt theological and embodied all at once. And I think that's the best kind of theology. But often theology can feel very disembodied and a human experience can feel embodied. And I think he brought the question about thinking about real meaning and about thinking about how any holy book can speak to the reality of everyday life right into the guts of being human, locating us in 121st Street or locating us in Times Square or locating us in any part of any city where the question of God comes face to face with the question of pain and the way that humans hurt humans. Carlos Andres Gomez here is holding a variety of windows into the question of God. And the first one is really true and it doesn't diminish just because he becomes a father at the end. There are serious accusations here. You know, we hear about kids who are exploited or injured and wondering if there's any such thing as a loving God. And then there's mentions of drought and famine and war. And he's writing to his friend Joanna, who's on mission in Taiwan while he's an outreach worker in Manhattan. And I think it's a fantastic challenge. And then it just changes totally. And we're in this um, OR and this waiting room. And it seems like his partner who was birthing a child, her heart rate has dropped. And then the population in the room triples with medics coming in. And he's outside suddenly feeling totally helpless. And he's wishing that there was some kind of God he could turn to. And then the third part, and even though formally this is still part of the second half, it seems to me like it turns again just towards the end where there's a tiny growl and a disembodied voice. And this seems to change everything to him. It's almost like this tiny person becomes the God to him, the one that he's going to seek after and the one that he's going to do everything to love and to respond to and to be faithful to. And that changes the idea about what does it mean to believe in something? Do they have to be all powerful in order for you to believe in it? And I think that's a very clever way of asking the big questions of life, as well as clearly a beautiful story about him becoming a parent. The last line is really worthwhile hearing again and reflecting on it. And then a disembodied voice called out, seemingly only to me, a tiny growl at first that blossomed into a wail, dwarfing any thought my mind could possibly hold, any faith I'd ever been so foolish to claim. The way I read this is that I don't place emphasis on faith. I do place emphasis on claim, because claim is a word of power, to claim to own, to claim to dismiss, to claim to have knowledge over. It feels to me like the poet here is realising I've just become a father and is facing into this future filled with love and dedication, but also filled with inadequacy. And he isn't going to be able to claim anything. He's going to be learning so much and he'll need a lot of help like anybody does. And I, I think there is a different posture towards the question of power and control here. And faith seems to be about practice towards the end. And what he seems to be suddenly more interested in is possibly less the question as to whether there's a God or not, and more the question about what it will mean for him to be a father, rather than arguing how adequate or inadequate any God might be as a parent figure. <laughs> ¶¶
the first part of this poem is really clever because you hear about him working as an outreach worker on 121st Street in Harlem and you hear that he was convinced he refused to travel north of 96th. And if you're hearing that, you're wondering, who's he? When you're reading it, you see that he is a capital H. And so you think, is this speaking about God? And then he writes to his friend who's on mission. And then there's all these accusations about um, basically building up to the idea of how could a loving God stand over when a city is experiencing these kinds of hardships and um, policy failures. And then it returns to saying, what lessons does his book refuse and so clearly then you are asking the question of theodicy, the question from the book of Job, how can God be present when this kind of reality is happening? And what lessons does his book refuse? It seems to be that he's suggesting that the holy book, the Bible, I suppose, is refusing to learn lessons from the way that life is being experienced in the daily reality. And I love that. There's a challenge to the idea about religion that thinks it knows everything. And really he's saying, what lessons are you refusing to learn? He's thinking that religion has lessons to learn rather than other people. My friend Andrew was an Australian living in Ireland and Andrew was a total lapsed Baptist. He was dissatisfied with religion, but he seemed to feel so guilty about leaving religion behind. And he told me once a story of him driving along in Belfast and in the back seat was his daughter Eden, who I think was about three and a half or four. And it was Christmas and she was very excited. But she was also confused because, you know, he'd been telling her about Jesus and Christmas and Jesus's birthday. But she just had a new cousin born in Australia called Jesse. And his daughter was totally confused between Jesse and Jesus. And she thought everybody around the world was celebrating Christmas in honour of Jesse, her new cousin born in Queensland in Australia. And so he said to her, while he's driving along, he told me he was looking at her in the rearview mirror. No, no, no. Jesse is your cousin. And lives in Australia. And then she said, and who's Jesus and where does he live? And Andrew was feeling really awkward because he had kind of moved away from his Baptist faith, but he didn't want to kind of announce that. And he said to her, well, Jesus is God's son and um, he lives in your heart. And he told me that she looked at him in the mirror with absolute incredulity. And she said, no, he doesn't. And he told me that up until that stage, he'd never felt so proud of her in his whole life because he saw in her the possibility of saying what she wanted about religion and still being loved. And she had a freedom at three and a half that he didn't feel like he had. I suppose he was in his mid thirties at that stage. And she changed him. Not to say that she moved him one way or another about religion. I'm sure he thinks whatever he wants to about religion. But it was the freedom with which she spoke about religion that changed him. And he realised that he loved her so much that if he had any imagination about a parent God, that he would be able to think what he wants and have an imagination of freedom within that. And I found that so lovely, not because it moved him deeper into belief or further from belief, but because it located him in a story of love of him as a father towards his daughter. I, I feel like the story of Andrew and Eden is almost like a companion story to this brilliant poem by Carlos Andres Gomez, because he is preparing the ground 
just at the moment of birth when this wail has come out seemingly only for him, a growl into a wail. And he seems to be open to the fact that everything is going to be different now, that the centre of gravity and the centre of imagination is geared towards this tiny person. And I think that the openness that Carlos Andres Gomez has in this poem is the kind of openness that we hope we will all have in any loving relationship with children, with friends, with partners, with people that we associate with, that love can open us up to the possibility of learning new things. Father by Carlos Andres Gomez In the basement of the crack house I used to visit as an outreach worker on 121st Street in Harlem I was convinced he refused to travel north of 96th I wrote a letter to Joanna on her mission in Taiwan detailed each irrefutable piece of evidence proving we are all in fact alone told her about the nine-year-old orphan forced to sell her body for three years before ending up just off Times Square, discarded in a dumpster. I told her about the eldest son who answered a burglar's call and was shot, paralysed from the waist down. I asked her about drought and famine and endless civil wars. What lessons does his book refuse? When her heart rate dropped by half in less than a minute, the population of our cramped hospital room tripling in a handful of seconds, I grasped for anything that would keep me upright. At first, the wall, cool and steady, demanding my body ascend beyond what seemed possible. Then, nothing, no one. I stood in the waiting room of the OR, waiting to be called in to find out if my child had survived. I spent each second trying to pull tiny shoe coverings over my too large feet. I confessed every wrong of my life to an empty, overlit room of steel and sterile instruments that all reflected back distorted versions of myself. I fumbled for any prayer I could remember, hoping that I had all along been mistaken about the hollow blackness of the infinite sky. I never wanted so badly to have been wrong about anything in my life. And then a disembodied voice called out, seemingly only to me. A tiny growl at first that blossomed into a wail, dwarfing any thought my mind could possibly hold, any faith I'd ever been so foolish to claim. Father comes from Carlos Andres Gomez's book, Hijito, 
Thank you to Platypus Press, who gave us permission to use Carlos's poem. You can find a link to the poem in our show notes, along with Padraig's guiding question for this episode. Poetry Unbound is Chris Hegel, Aaron Colasacco, Siri Grassley, Eddie Gonzalez, Lillian Rowe, Christiane Wartell, Gotham Shrikishan, Karen Navarre Wiki, Karen Towie, Suarisa, and me, Lily Percy. Our music is composed and provided by Gautam Shrikishan and Blue Dot Sessions. This podcast is produced by On Being Studios, which is located on Dakota land. We also produce other podcasts you might enjoy, like On Being with Krista Tippett, Becoming Wise, and This Movie Changed Me. Find those wherever you like to listen. And if you want even more Podrick and poetry in your life, visit us at onbeing.org, where we've recently launched an entirely new way to experience poetry. Listen, watch, or read hundreds of poems from our collection. This podcast is produced by On Being Studios in Minneapolis, Minnesota.